Welcome back, everybody, to the Drew Too Many podcast. We are honored today to be joined by Pablo Mesa, a.k.a. Tableman. Pablo, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, and thank you so much for having me. Of course, I'm super excited. Um, so the way this is going to work, um, it's going to be me and Alex interviewing Pablo today. So um, just the two of us, so we can you know focus on our guest a little bit more, see what Pablo has to say. Uh, because Pablo is coming off of an amazing top eight run at San Diego Regionals with arguably one of the hardest decks to play um, <laughs> ever, in my opinion. Um, and so we'll be talking about his tournament run. Uh, we'll have a trivia break, as always. And then we'll be uh, you know, asking some, some more general interview questions to Pablo as well. So, Pablo, I'm super excited to have you on here today, too, because I know you've been, really been an inspiration, I know, especially for me as a fellow Latino uh, Pokemon player. So I always love seeing when you do well and uh, definitely motivates me to do well uh, and strive for that level too. So love that you're on here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words, Andrew. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So, you know, great job on making top eight. Congratulations for sure. Can you tell us, and, and you made top eight with, with Lost Box Ray, um, Rayquaza and, and Raiko and, and whatnot. If you haven't seen Pablo's uh, streamed games, definitely go check them out. Um, super interesting. And so... Can you tell us a little bit about your run and maybe we could start on like, you know, how you came up with, with playing this deck. I know you played it at, at Arlington too. So what was your thought process um, in going into this? Yeah. So um, actually like this deck goes all the way back to um, like originally Japan. Yeah. I saw it. Uh, I keep track of the Japanese metagame and stuff. I saw Rayquaza get a little bit of play there. Um, and that like piqued my interest because mm -hmm. um, like I've always big, been a big fan of one hit KO Pokemon. Um, <laughs> Feels good. And like that Rayquaza also brought me back a little bit to like 2004 and Blaziken Rayquaza EX. Yeah, which like this Rayquaza does the same thing, but hits stronger. <laughs> so, uh <-huh>. um, so <laughs> like that, that piqued my interest and the fact that Rayquaza and Raikou shared two of the three different energies um, made them like obvious companions. Yeah, especially mm -hmm. with the Mirage Gate possibilities. But then, like, I had that deck on my radar. I played it when um, uh, Lost Origin was out or Seal of Tempest. I don't remember, like, for my channel, I just did a video. It had won a tournament online as well. Uh, but I left it there. I was like, oh, that's a cool deck, right? And that was it. But then at LAIC, I saw Adam Hawkins playing the deck, and I casted his games there. Mm. And I was very interested by the deck. And, like, he was doing really well. And he didn't even end up using Rayquaza at some point. It was just the, the raw strength of the Lost Box um, synergy with Colorus and Cramorant and um, mm -hmm. Sableye. That was good enough to to win games. You know? And so from there, that that piqued my interest. And I felt like that was a, an interesting deck, but also had a lot of potential. It was uh, under big, like big time under the radar. And it felt like yeah. my style of deck, you know, where it's like you have... Uh, so many different decisions and because you're a single price deck I feel like the longer the games go by um, like one of my biggest strengths in Pokemon is decision making yeah, and making mm -hmm. the right decision and so and like I've messed up big time on stream lately so that's a little uh, <laughs> ironic to say but like most of the time yeah, that I feel like that's one of the big edges that I've had uh, over the last 20 years of competition so mm -hmm. um, lost box and decks it... imply a lot of decision making sorry go ahead yeah yeah, no, uh, insane amount of decisions. Yeah, I, like yeah. I said, I, I would argue it's probably one of the hardest decks to play. So I don't think anybody blames you for any, you know, any mis possible mistakes that might have happened. Yeah. Um, and so, like, 
I guess yeah, you were uh, saying about like Rayquaza being under the radar for sure. When I first heard about Adam Hawkins playing this, you know, Rayquaza deck at LAIC, I remember that too. And I kind of wrote it off, I guess. <laughs> um, how do you like figure out what um, what's like worth its salt? If it, if a deck is worth its salt, like Adam Hawkins also played what Arceus Agron, you know, yeah. Vmax at Worlds, and so it's like, how do you what uh, getting into your mind a little bit? What how do you figure out if like you know, yeah, a deck is worth its salt? Do you just play a lot and just kind of you know give everything a, a fighting chance or? So I think it's a combination of both, like testing, yeah, and through through coaching and content creation and everything. I end up playing a lot, a lot of Pokemon, uh, but also like intuition and like the core concept of the deck is you have the one hero potential with a single price trade with a single price Pokemon to trade very effectively against two prizers and single prizers, and then you have this whole single anti single price Pokemon package with the Raikou pressure, where um, if they play down the mana fee then they're sort of dooming themselves to a Sableye double price turn at some point. And if they don't play the mana fee, then Raikou takes over. So it's like, mm -hmm. uh, darned if you do, darned if you don't, right? So like, <laughs> yeah. I really love that uh, big potential. And I felt like a lot of the Lost Box decks end up struggling against Regigigas. But then this deck has a very, and Paper has a very good matchup against Regigigas. Um, because with the six second pinks, then Raikou can take two price turns. Uh, and usually you'll yeah. be attacking faster. Or if at any point, you attack with Cramorant and they don't specifically heal that Reggie, then eventually you can use Sableye, KO that Reggie, and then put everything in range of either Raikou or Cramorant. Yeah, so in the end, like, it was more about the... It had all the necessary pieces uh, pieces in my eyes to succeed. Mm -hmm. Good price trade-offs, single price tech to allow for potential comebacks, and a lot of possibilities to take multiple prices against single price decks to give yourself an advantage. So... Um, after seeing it and play at LAC, I was very charmed by the deck. But because there was so little time between LAC and Toronto, which was the next weekend, um, and like I was traveling back from Brazil, and then I left for Toronto like two days later, so I had very little time to actually dedicate to testing. And as you mentioned, it's a very complex deck in its decision making. And I did have the deck built. I had the requ I bought the request at Toronto, um, but I I wasn't confident enough in the deck or in my playtime with the deck to really justify. So I went with Boring Lugia. I sucked with it. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I did not enjoy playing this deck. I also, it also sucked for me. So like I couldn't do the basic thing, which was get turned to Archeops. And so I'm just going to put in my time now that I have a couple of weeks until Texas. I'm going to put in the time and make like the highest effort to get this deck going. And I, it, I was definitely there for Texas. I just happened to run into... I'm pulled in four out of five games in my two win and that was oh very unfortunate. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay, that's all good. Yeah. That but sounds, then, yeah, that sounds terrible. But then yeah. you brought it back. You yeah, exactly. Like after Texas, like game. after that, how the deck felt at Texas and like the confidence that I had playing it, and I was like, okay, as long as I don't somehow manage to hit the two people with Empoleon and they happen to start <laughs> with it every single game, like I'll be fine, you know? So I just ran I with know. the with the exact same sixty, and I was in my first win and in at San Diego, and I hit the same deck with Napoleon, and I lost. I was like, "Oh no, it's happening again." That's what I was gonna say. West I Coast is kind of jank sometimes, yeah. especially SoCal. SoCal loves their random, like almost decks. I don't know if anyone yeah. remember. Like there was an Anaheim Regionals where like half of the top like sixteen was like Groudon in a field. Of oh yeah, in a field of Vespaquin. 
Well, and then like you know, um, was it Makani Tran got top eight too with like one one flying Pikachu, one yeah. Empoleon. <laughs> so they, they were my loss. They were my loss on day one. Oh Makani really? Tran, the number one seed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Wait, yeah. so you you played them first round, or that was someone else playing? No, no, I played. I I played them. No, my Candy Tran, I played them in the first win at it, I meant. So in, that uh, was round it. six. I was 5 one uh, Sorry, round seven. I played them, and I lost, and they started pulling on game one there. So I was like, oh, no, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no the, the flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they played 12 different basics. Like, if you're retreating to the Empoleon, fine. But just don't start it raw. Like, that's, that's such yeah, high. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Does uh does Raiko help with that at all? I mean, it's probably hard to find like the energies, but I mean, if you can like attach to it three times, it's probably doing some work. Yeah, I mean, I guess so it, it does. It does depend it. highly on your starting hand. Then, if they do start a pull, then then you need like a good string of choruses or a, like a good like two of the the three necessary energies for Raiko and a right hand, and then you can yeah manually attach yeah. something gets KO'd, and then you power up with Raiko. But that's easier said than done. In reality, you get ordinary rod. The scoop of net and yeah. like even though I had four escape ropes, it still wasn't enough because of my awkward oh start. Yeah. How about it's easy? You just draw the energies. <laughs> <laughs> easy peasy. Yeah, I I don't know if this is de- like kind of derailing a little bit from trying to get into a a, a tournament run or a tournament report. Um, Go for it. I can't I can't think of a better time to ask it. Is uh, agree or disagree? Lost Box is the gatekeeper of other single prize decks now that it has a way to beat Reggie's. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it absolutely is. And even without the way to beat Reggie's, it was 100% the, the gatekeeper. Sableye is too strong <laughs> against um, against it's single so prize good. decks. Yeah. Would you say that there is... What percentage chance does a rogue random single prize deck have in the current meta because of Lost Box? I mean, probably it- 30%. 30% or, at best. Like, yeah. And the best chance you have is to just dodge uh, Lost Box. <laughs> the the real question Alex is trying to get at is if nope, nope, he nope, can nope, nope, find nope, a nope, reason nope, to nope. play <laughs> Single Strike Cinderace uh, Mustard Beedrill Box. <laughs> uh, a little bit of that and a little bit of I was actually having a conversation with some of our locals, shout out to Owen, like yesterday, um, because I was, I was ramming that matchup like I was going out of style. And... Hmm. We just came to this conclusion. It's just like, man, I, you can't do anything fun and creative with single prizes right now because of Lost yeah. Box. Yeah, 100%. Agreed 100%. Cool. So you, so you talked about the Reggie's matchup a little bit, too, because that, I mean, Raiko, I learned from the Lugia matchup, too, from playing Lugia versus Reggie's, um, that Raiko is a little hard to deal with for, for Reggie sometimes. If, if you can't find a net or something to pick up that 120 damage, then, like, Stoutland can hit you. Or, like, yeah, you had the Zigzagoon pings. Um, the, so the Raiko can be hard to deal with for sure. I am curious, like, what if they like attack you with Regigigas since that has you know a little bit more HP? Does that does that make it harder? Have, did you have anybody try and do or take that route? Oh yeah, it definitely it definitely makes it harder. But like in the end, it's about like you don't need to get a two price turn every single time, right? You might not, true, yeah. you might even need to do it just once. So, like, it's about making sure you have the response to whatever they have. Yeah, it's not missing a bit and making sure you get a KO for every KO they get. And ideally, you want to get the KO first. So, if they have Reggie, you commit to the Rayquaza. If they have other stuff, then you try and pull off the Raikou play. If not, you commit to the Rayquaza. Like, that's, that's the beauty of the deck. Like, you have the options to weather out whatever they're doing in the beginning and then find the spot to get that 2 price turn. 
that's the key. Yeah. You don't need to yeah, two price turns. Like if you get two two price turns, then absolutely you're uh, going to win that game. But you only need to do it once. Mm -hmm. So do you think that this is the best deck in format? Um, I feel like with how the metagame right now is, um, I, I would like to say yes, but the deck also relies heavily on strong starts. Like if you get a yeah. weaker start, and Finding I feel like, chorus. yeah, like if there was a better, if there was a way to sort of guarantee Colrus without committing to Aluminium, I would say yeah. unarguably it's the best deck. But in how strong it is, it can also be um, weak and unreliable. And just the rent, the variance that the flower selecting add to the deck, like sometimes they can be game breaking. I've had, I've lost games because mm -hmm. I needed two cards specifically from the deck and i flower selected into both of them and so that oh, immediately yeah. ended the game so i feel like <laughs> the deck is very powerful but it has enough weaknesses and if enough like exploitable aspects um and potentially like the metagame could shape around heavy empoleon usage heavy wheezing usage um mm -hmm. things like that to where it's not necessarily um like overwhelmingly powerful i still think lugia is overall a better deck and a more adaptable deck in that sense um but this mm, this yeah. this a close second i would say the best decks are definitely lugia and this but i wouldn't say this is the undisputed number one i think it's yeah that's i think it goes into something point. along the lines of like uh lugia is also I, I feel a little bit easier to pick up and play for the average player right mm -hmm. too so like that should play a factor into determining bdif because like if bdif is like super 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 hard to play yeah. um I don't think the general consensus is that it would be best deck in format because people aren't willing to admit that that it takes a much more dedicated uh, training regiment to get to that level, if that makes sense. Well, it's like maybe when like Urshifu and Teleon was like maybe closest to BDIF. Yeah, because I can't think yeah, of yeah. a BD... Like it's, I think famously like stuff like Lux Chomp is one of the harder to play BDIFs, but if you like look back at some of the most iconic BDIFs, none of them are crazy difficult. Like, maybe Zorark, Lycanroc, I guess, but, like, outside of that, you can't really think of many that are, like, next-level tier of, like, decision-making out, you know, like, Lost Box is a lot of decision-making, and there's not yeah. that level of decision-making yeah. in any other BDIF, so. I don't what know do if that... I mean, Gardevoir Gallade, I just announced Psychic Lock every turn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and... <laughs> I just think, I think that has to play a factor in it as well, even though that, like, on paper one could be considered better but because general consensus drives that thought process so like it's i think it's one of those things that we should say that lost box might be best tech in format if you're willing to give it like if everyone played perfectly yeah yeah, yeah. is best tech in and format. you didn't run into it has more variance than lugia does so yeah if you don't run into that variance and people put 100 hours in then it's bdif but well, I don't know if Pablo would agree with that. Pablo, do you think you know after your Toronto run that uh, you know Lost Box has more variants than Lugia? What would you What would you say? Um, yeah, just the flower selecting randomness. That's so you much think it variance. is more variants? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, like the setup can sometimes be more reliable. Even the battle VIP pass. Like after I I played Palkia at salt lake city i lost a win and in i hated playing the deck and i hated playing battle <laughs> and after a turn i was like unless like i'm under extreme circumstances i really don't want to play battle vip pass again and like now i'm yeah. playing it but it's like i hate it's a <laughs> it's a really bad good card 
Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the best yeah. way to describe it. Like, I hate the card, but I can't not play it in the deck. Well, now, moving forward, you could just draw two Nest Balls, and it's the same thing. There you go. So, <laughs> just draw an extra card every turn. Done. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, let's get into your to your run a little bit. Um, I uh, That's okay if you don't remember, like, every round, but, like, you know, I actually have them wrote them down, so don't oh, worry. Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go through it. I'm very curious. You yeah. know, I want to see and pick your brain a little bit on, like, you know, how so we talked a little bit you know about how an expert player goes into a tournament but i it, it would also be interesting to see the you know the actual run you know step by step too for sure so i like i don't remember exactly things that happened in in most of the games i didn't take notes on that but i do know sure. round one i played um against lukia and that's always like a, a matchup i like to see like i feel like with a decent hand um the deck is almost another win as long as you can Make sure you respond to the Stoutland the turn they mm -hmm. use it. And you also make sure you have a, a mana fee out all the time uh, in case they play Raikou. Um, yeah. But then, like, I went overall 6-0 uh, against Lugia over the weekend and 12-1 in games. Yeah. <laughs> so that was wow. pretty nice. Yeah. yeah what is, um, speaking of the Stoutland, what is your, like, immediate response? Because I know I've seen these Lost Box decks with, like, Twin Energy and Snorlax and Choice Belts as, like, their response to Stoutland. But... Do you think that's necessary? And and like, what was your response? Oh, it it a hundred percent is Rayquaza. That's the way you want just to KO. Okay. Um, yep. and that's that's how you deal with it. You just go in with a they KO. You respond with the Rayquaza, and that's fine. You trade it at two for two. Then they take out one price card, and then you continue the the price trade of that way. And if they use Lugia, then you get another two price at some point. So, um, mm -hmm. it's always fair. If they end up playing Dunsparce and Manaphy. And they bench them, then that opens up an easy save light to price turn. Um, yeah. Escape rope also really um, hurts them if they don't have mana fee. And escape rope can sometimes net you a KO on an Archeops and um, an Oranguru, things like that. So it's it's like it's generally you're all like if you play correctly, you're happy to to face a Lugia. The thing is that it's that key turn of the of the Statland. If you're able to respond to it, the game's fine. If you're not able to respond to Stoutland, the game's over. So it's like a very hit or miss at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of crazy how many, like now that you say it and like list them, how many potential like um, chances you have for double prize turns. Mm -hmm. Like KOing, yeah. re return KOing the Stoutland. Um, if they don't play Dunsparce and Manaphy, KOing a Lugia with a Raikou. Um, or Raikou taking out two single prizes, or Sableye taking out two single prizes. Like, yeah. that's crazy. I didn't think, I, I guess I never like thought about the whole extensive list of why we've been in this format for what since like November, October, November, November? yeah, forever. Yeah, <laughs> why has it taken the gen like, why has it taken people so long to settle on this list that seems like it hasn't answered everything? Um, I don't I, like. I don't know. I think on paper the requisite just looks gimmicky. You know, it's yeah, like, oh, that's yeah, what I thought initially lot of, too. A lot of well, damage for a lot of energy, but and like playing a lot of different. Energy. I mean, on paper the Kyogre looks gimmicky. So there's that. right, yeah, absolutely. And that that was another part of why I decided to go with the uh, requisite. I feel like Kyogre is good, but you have one big attack, yeah, and that's it. Whereas the requisite can get four big attacks if it wants to. So. That's that's what drove me towards Rayquaza over the. Did other you attack with experience. Rayquaza four times in a game? Sometimes, I've never done it, but you have the possibility. Technically, to do so. yeah, yeah. Well, you're not really a real Rayquaza Lost Box player if you don't use it four times in a game. So, <laughs> hop, hop to it. 
Hop to it. <laughs> you got to use it. I want to take all six prizes. I, I expect to see it on stream tomorrow. You taking talking four times with it. <laughs> um, um, so you beat that easy peasy. Yeah. So round one was Lugia. Um, round two was Lugia. Round three was Arceus Duraludon. Uh, not the person I lost to in top eight. And I don't remember exactly how, but I remember I messed up my sequencing on game one. So instead of winning, like it took like 35 minutes, instead of winning game one, I ended up losing because I missequenced something. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe I like I, I was taking notes throughout the tournament about my prices, and I think I wrote down the wrong price card or something. Oh, no. So like something went wrong at the very end where instead of having guaranteed game, I ended up. Uh, losing the game and so i won yeah. game two uh playing like as fast as i could and so i <laughs> i tied that one and then that's crazy and, and i mean i that that totally makes sense too because like playing lost box like you're thinking about a million different things yeah yeah it's easy to once. mess up it's so easy to mess for up. sure yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and then round four was mew uh round five was lugia uh, mew win round five was lugia i also won and then round six was palkia on stream that was my stream match against Jake Gearhart. What was your what was your record at this point? Uh on stream I was 401. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, then sweet. yeah, and then I beat uh Jake on stream playing his Palkia deck. So I was 501. How and, is that matchup? I can't imagine it's good for him. <laughs> yeah, like you like Raikou destroys them, and it's the same. Like if they bench Manaphy, then you have options to go KO Sobble, KO Manaphy at some point in the game. Easy. Um if they don't bench the Manaphy, then of course uh the Raikou just wrecks them. Uh, you apply so much pressure, you're very efficient. Um, oh, as long as you bench your own mana fee, and like even if you don't bench the mana fee, they can get one two price turn with Greninja, but they'll never get two. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. if you pressure the energy, like if they commit to the Greninja, um, then that means they're using their V Star, right? So usually after that, they struggle to power up other things and they have to continually Raihan or Melanie. And if they're using Raihan or Melanie, they're not using Roxanne or Marnie. So then you end up mm -hmm. like with. 13 card hands and you can just do whatever you want literally do whatever you want yeah <laughs> wow that's yeah the more you talk about it now i'm like wow this deck actually sounds insane <laughs> yeah it is so i think like now that you mentioned you know roxanne and marnie one thing again getting back to like the uh perception of rayquaza lost box prior to you know it having some really big results um was you know it seemed a little bit gimmicky but also it seemed like marnie hurt mm -hmm. really bad sometimes yeah. so like how did you feel every time you got marnie were you just like cringing inside and like <laughs> hoping to draw some good cards or like how did it feel so i personally have a raw hate towards marnie um, <laughs> it's been like the last three years of marnie have been traumatizing to me um, but uh, with Oranguru, it was fine. Like, Orang Oranguru is such a good card. Like, Oranguru oh, is sure. so essential to the deck. Um, like, that's usually when I've talked with people since Texas or or, this, or San Diego, like, they usually want to be like, no, I'll I'll cut the Oranguru. But, like, for me, Oranguru is, yeah. like, the MVP of every game. It protects you against Marnie. It helps fix uh, awkward flower selectings or colorets sometimes. And it helps also Mirage Gates. Like you, mm -hmm. I think that's an undervalued um, asset of Orangu. Like you, like because you don't play any hand shuffle, so there can be points where you end up just accumulating a lot of energies in your hand, which you actually want in the deck to be able to um, to be able to Mirage Gate onto something. And so Orangu, like Orangu, I'd say Orangu was a big factor in eighty percent of my matches that I won, like big time. Damn. 
mm-hmm. especially anything that played Marnie. Just like yeah. saving that call risk, saving the right hand. Say that again? Is two, uh, if you play two or angry, is that too many? Yeah, that's too many. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's too many. Yeah, but Not every, every good, time Alex. I priced a Rangaroo, I was very, very sad. <laughs> Ah, yeah, and you didn't have the heavy ball, right? But so it's yeah. it's not to, it's not that level of like important to this variant of right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you also play the odds, right? Like it's the ten percent chance to price it. So yeah. nine yeah. out of ten, you'll have it. Yeah, yeah, that's like why I played the what did I play? I played like Reggie's with no heavy ball in Peoria. Wait, actually, <laughs> working out. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, Drew, my testing buddy Drew Kennett was like, "Hey, cut the heavy ball. It's a three percent <laughs> chance to." prize two reggies yeah and we're like okay we'll play the odds <laughs> i think um, i'd rather play a one-off steal and the heavy ball than no yeah. heavy ball. but yeah that's fair yeah well the yeah i forgot our reasoning for that but like sometimes even just prizing the steal and having to search for the heavy ball is like so awkward sometimes yeah too. for sure yeah finding it can get awkward for sure yeah but then it's yeah it's probably a lower chance of like specifically prizing the steal. i don't know i hadn't worked out those those odds but yeah anyways back to the orangaroo i think one really strong aspect about it too is like you know we've talked about millions of things you have to think about while you're playing lost box it's you're obviously not like memorizing the contents of your deck at all times especially when it's changing so often when you're ordinator uh you're rotting stuff back you're orangarooing stuff back into your deck i think one really nice thing about orangaroo is that you can almost like guarantee you're like i am at least getting one energy off this mirage gate even if i don't remember like how many energy i have left in my deck so i'm sure it almost feels like securing like it's like it's like your little safety blanket yeah exactly exactly it's exactly (laughs) that it's my support system (laughs) yeah my support (laughs) animal (laughs) my support orangaroo yeah (laughs) um so that was so Jakey, your heart on stream. Yeah, that was round, round six. six. And then round seven was uh, McKenny with the with the Archist deck. And game uh, one. So this is the winning in. Yeah. First winning in, both at 501. Uh, game one, he flips over. Um, he flips over and pulled it. I was like, oh my gosh, how is this <laughs> happening to me again? <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, someone up, up there hates me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but th- So I lost game one, I won game two, and then game three. I'm pretty sure I drew horribly. He didn't start Napoleon, but I also drew very badly, and I just couldn't get mm. there. Um, mm, gotcha. So yeah, I lost. and uh, So I was at 5-1-1 in the exact same situation as Texas. And then round so, eight, I played... Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, quick question about about that matchup again too because Makani's list was kind of interesting in that like there wasn't if I recall correctly there wasn't a way to attack with Empoleon no right? there, so was. Did he... there was he oh there was he water. had waters yeah oh, okay but it wasn't like something like Palkia where you can you know be super aggressive with Empoleon right yeah yeah eventually yeah eventually he ran out of ways to attack with Napoleon, but at that point he was so far ahead that it didn't matter in game got one. it in and game... then he has flying Pikachu and stuff too. Yeah, but with Forest Cape okay. flying yeah. Pikachu is less of a threat because like they always end up benching other stuff, right? Like so, you always have other prizes, and you do have the potential to go with Cape boss at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And Rayquaza just you blow. Yeah, Rayquaza blows it up exactly. Or even I guess you could uh, actually. Did you did you play belts at all? No, no belts. Okay, no belts. Yeah, you probably you probably don't need it. But yeah, I guess yeah, with Goonping you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking if 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 you did, you could t- theoretically do three hundred to a flying Pikachu with Raikou, then Zigzagoon Ping. Yeah, Zigzagoon that's Ping. probably too extra. Not needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then round eight was Lugia, 
and then I won that very straightforward, and so I was finally in day two, <laughs> guaranteed. Six one one, yeah. And then round nine, I played against Justin Bokari playing Regis, and mm-hmm. I won. I won game one pretty convincingly because like his attack was uh, he couldn't find the right energies. His attack was too late, and I was I think two yeah. prizes ahead by the time he started attacking. So I just ended up. It was close. He definitely made it close. And I found yeah. out then that they were playing um, the Cape of Toughness, which made mm-hmm. it literally more tough <laughs> yep. to win. Uh, <laughs> and then game two was very, very close. And um, he misplayed in order. Oh. So, like, if he had it. So, the end result was the last turn, I needed to go escape rope to send his Gigas with, uh, with a Cape to the bench. Everything else was damaged. And then I mm-hmm. could go uh, attack with Raikou, take my last two prizes. But he misplayed. If he had attached that Cape of Toughness to any other Reggie, then once I played the... Because the active Gigas was out of range uh, of uh, Raikou. If he had played mm-hmm. the Cape on any other uh, Reggie on the bench, when I played the Escape Rope, then he could have uh, promoted that one, and I would not have been able to, to take two prizes then, and then he would have been able to win on turn three. But because mm. he, he misplayed that Cape of Toughness, like I still could have done it with uh, Boss's Orders instead, but it would have been so much more difficult because I, right. I couldn't call Riss. <laughs> and I had like um, yep. a big enough deck still to where it was going to... Like uh, if he had played the Cape of Toughness anywhere else, I was probably like a 10% chance to win that game or something. But because he misplayed, mm-hmm. then all I needed was Escape Rope. Yeah, how do you think the the matchup is with the cape? Because I also played the cape at at San Diego, and I was hoping to run into some lost box, <laughs> but so, I didn't play a single one. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely good, but I feel like with with how much this card happens with Regidex in general, like having it at the perfect time is a little bit difficult. That's right? true. Yeah, and so like if at any point it's played super early, then you could just eliminate it with uh, Rayquaza, and it's all about like. If you know it's there, then hmm. you just factor it into your calculations of where you place the damages with Sableye and like what which Reggie you attack with Raikou and whatnot. Um, hmm. So it, it definitely makes it tougher, but I don't think it swings the matchup to make it favorable for Reggie. I think it makes it even, but I don't yeah. think Reggie has a, an advantage. Yeah, it seems like it's most useful late game. Yeah. Especially if your opponent doesn't, like if it's game one and your opponent doesn't know you play it and you put that thing down. And your opponent wasn't accounting for it. So, yeah. yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, which that happened to me on game two. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. game one, Actually, I won Alex? so quickly, I, I didn't see it. And then game two, he played it. Like, I purposely mm-hmm. didn't KO an Aleki, uh, the 120 HP Aleki at one point. Because I was like, okay, if you want to remove that to not make it a target for Raikou, then you have to spend a scoop of net, which means that's one less net that you'll use to heal someone else. But then he played the Cape of Thunders on that Eleki, and that uh, complicated things. And then eventually, I think he got it back at some point with the other Eleki, and then that's how it ended up in that weird uh, late game scenario. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you don't, you don't like it. It's great for the mirror match. Well, I, we were expecting a lot of Reggies. Mm-hmm. at san diego and so oh the, the satisfaction alex when you are playing the reggie mirror match and your opponent you know neither of you have missed a beat and you're both just you know swinging each turn taking prizes and your opponent has one prize left they're so close and then you put a cape of toughness and they cannot knock out your reggie oh 
That is bliss, my friend. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, I mean, I'll take your word for it. I, uh, Richard's, Richard's is not my shtick, but yeah, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So, what about after that, Pablo? All right. So then I was seven one one going into day two, and then round ten I played against Eternatus. Um, hey, I, I ended up what? winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I ended up winning winning that. Um my opponent definitely drew less than less than ideal and I had the ways to like I had good enough hands and enough energy attachments to just play around the the Raikou and four escape rope made a big difference there. Oh yeah, like, that's what I was gonna say. Like people what I've seen since San Diego, people are just immediately without testing or anything, they're just taking out two escape ropes and adding two mm -hmm. um two switch cards, which I would love to have, but I do feel like four escape rope is uh like it's it's very disruptive it helps against fly two and wheezing which are obviously annoying cards for the deck and i think a very undervalued thing is like they actually help like they promote misplace from your opponent that's like, true i won i beat mike fouché uh speaking of x-files i beat what mike a, fouché what a, what at a texas bad player am i right <laughs> <laughs> i, I yeah, beat I him mike. at texas because he misplayed off of my escape rope so that that was a mm. big a big deal. It also helps to send away a parcel stuff from the active so that you can save life. So like oh. for for escape rope to me is is fantastic. Yeah, that's a really love, good call. We love Mike we love Mike Fouché. Just Yeah, of yeah. course. Just to, just course to clarify that. <laughs> was there um any point where like escape rope hurt you? Like I'm assuming like I was uh, when I was watching your top 8 game, I was like oh, it, Pablo needs us uh like an actual switch card here to KO this Duraludon VMAX in the active, not like a rope, because then he'd have to kill something that's not a Duraludon VMAX. Did, so did it hurt you so at any point? There were definitely points where I wish it was just a normal switching card, or a switching, yeah, switching card. But, like, I also play with the knowledge that I have that card in my hand, right? So I make sure I try to adjust my play to make sure that it doesn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. I adjust my plan to make sure that I get the most value out of escape rope rather than thinking, oh, I wish it was a different thing. Yeah, so I feel like mm -hmm. it's a different approach Approach rather than dwelling on the fact that it's an escape rope and it's not letting me attack the active, I make sure that I factor that, the fact that I'm not attacking the active right there to uh, on my game-winning overall plan. Yeah, and like, mm -hmm. definitely in top eight, I, I think I not only was I like tired, exhausted, whatever, but I definitely approached the matchup wrong. Like, I will 100% say I did not play a single game against RQS done beforehand. I just assumed I'd just take <laughs> three kills and that was it. Um, I definitely could have played both games um, better, being more conservative. I was like, felt like I was, like, I was watching the games. It felt like I was in a rush to, to attack and apply pressure. If I'd just been patient, accumulated resources, and got in 2K, like, played Escape Rope, they bring up a Duraldon, KO with Rekwaza. That's it. Mm -hmm. three prizes then they if they bench something else then i can go boss ko the other draw done if they don't then i can escape rope ko the other draw done for six prizes yeah. and i could have at least taken it to game three but i i feel like i definitely played that completely completely wrong yeah well the i mean um i'm sure yeah so it sounds like the ropes probably brought a lot of value and yeah like nine yeah, out of ten times you... i was glad they were ropes instead of yeah. switching cards I, and i would not um I would not make like what I was thinking sometimes maybe is I could cut one rope and the air balloon for two switch cards because the air balloon sometimes just ended up not being like being weird or awkward or just not being super mm -hmm. useful because uh, I needed yeah. like I had already retreated or something. So that's what something I could consider. But for rope, okay. I love for rope. Yeah, 
I'm sure, especially against the, the <laughs> Eternatus. Wow, round eight, you said you played against Eternatus? No, round 10. Round 10? 10. Round 10. Yeah. Round 10. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Eternatus in day two, <laughs> my guy. Yeah, first round of day two. And then round 11, I played against Drew Kennett with Reggie's. Um, what a oh, terrible yeah. with... player, am I right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, who plays Cape and Reggie's? Yeah, oh. and so... So game one, actually, like this is uh, an incredible thing about uh, True. Game one, he played a Marty and my brain turned off and I saw the fifth card, right? Which I was mm. going to draw anyways. I was going to like, the, nothing was going to change, Ugh, right? I hate and, like, judge calls. He was, I knew he was fine with that, but a judge was looking over our game and then the judge immediately uh, stopped play and told me double price penalty, blah, blah. Um like at that point, Drew conceded because his hand was so bad, and he—I think he priced a bunch of energy. He told me something, so like he was going mm. to concede anyways, even if um, they hadn't given him the, like he was going to concede before the two price penalty. They got awarded, so that probably meant he had a chance, but he conceded anyway. So that was like incredible sportsmanship from from Drew. Um, and like I feel like I don't know, like I'm not obviously the cleaner you play, the better, right? But I also feel like judges like. I think there should be a layer of let players make sure they're both comfortable if they can rewind a little bit, right? It's like that extra card, it gave me no value in the sense that Drew was not attacking. Drew was not taking a KO. There was no decision to be yeah. made between the time that I was getting that card into my hand, right? Like mm -hmm. Drew was going to Marnie pass and that was it. And then I was going to draw that card anyways. So mm -hmm. I feel like if judges played more and were more... Uh, active in terms mm. of competitiveness, which is mm. ironic because they're judging, not playing, right? Which they can't do both. But they were more aware of like actual gameplay and actual like things that can happen. It's just like mm -hmm. I feel like there should be a little bit of wiggle room to not just always go by the book. They saw an extra yeah. card, you award a two price penalty. Context is yeah. super important. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna so, say. Like intent in the in the context exactly. of board state. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting you bring it up because, like, you know, in it, card games and, and games in general are in this unique space where the people that officiate it have that freedom to look at a board state and be like, okay, cool, we can rewind it. But if you think about, like, any other, like, professional sports or professional whatever, like, once the judge makes the call, that's the call, and, like, that's, like, the thing that drives officiating, right? Yeah. There's no, like, hey... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna say you didn't touch this base uh, unless the other unless the other team's cool with it, you know. Like if if you guys are getting bopped ten to one, we might as well just not call <laughs> balls and strikes anymore, you know. Like eh, yeah. we can just do whatever, yeah. just swing the bat. It's it's weird because like I I very much agree with you. Is is yeah, there needs to be wiggle room, um, right. especially for stuff like Marnie where it's like, oops, I drew an extra card. It's like. I, my yeah. hand's not getting disrupted. I'm going to draw it anyway, whatever. Exactly. Um, but... You're going to take the KO. Okay, then there's a decision to be made. But like, take that into account before just You're immediately right. going dull price penalty. You saw an extra card. It's like, come on. Yeah, like mm -hmm. read the, like, I don't know. Get some, it's, like, it's hard. This, yeah, and this brings me to like, at the London Open, something similar happened to where um, I, I was playing against, I don't I think it was Palkia. I had a collapsed stadium in play. And my opponent benched something, their fifth Pokemon, they played Marty. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. after they drew the cards with Marty, we both realized, oh, but there's the collapse stadium. So then it was as simple as, oh, just put that Pokemon at the bottom of the deck. It was that yeah. simple. But a yeah. judge was watching and they heard me say, oh, just do this. And they were like, no, no, no. 
What happened? Explain to me. Oh, Let's right. rewind. Blah, blah. And then it got so confusing and so convoluted because the judge was not understanding what we were explaining and how easy it was mm. to fix that <laughs> my opponent, like, between my... Like, it got so convoluted that they ended up rewinding the game wrong and they put back the wrong cards. Oh, and, like, no. the judge really wanted to rewind everything before the Marty, right? They wanted everything, but they rewinded it wrong. And then after the Marty got played, then the wrong cards were in play. And then it just got so com confusing and convoluted if they had just <laughs> not interrupted and just mm -hmm. we had just literally grabbed a sobble and put it at the bottom of the deck. That yeah. was as Sometimes simple as that. Simplicity is key. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting to me because, like, I very rare, I almost never end up calling judges to, to my games. Like, I'm usually a guy that lets, like, I know a mistake. Like, you can tell a mistake from a, from a misplay and yeah. from an attempt at cheating, right? Like, it's, I, I feel like as a top player, it's very easy to tell the intent, the, the persona, the player. It's very easy to tell. So then, like, if we had that little bit of wiggle room, you know, it's like, I don't know. We, I believe it or not, I actually, because we're here in Seattle, we, I had a convert, long story short, there were, there were some people from Pokemon that work at Pokemon that frequent our store and they come in a lot and I always bend their ear a little bit. And we actually had a conversation about the judging situations recently, like, mm. what was this on Tuesday? I talked to them about it and uh, they were like, what's the biggest thing, gatekeeping, or what's the biggest problem with play, organized play? And, like, the th second thing, third thing out of our mouths was, like, judges need to be held more accountable. There needs to be a restructuring of judging procedures. Like, like the judges right now are, like, volunteers and seemingly get drunk with power and kind of do whatever they want. Now, mm -hmm. granted, it's not every judge, but... It's it's fun yeah, that we bring this conversation up because literally two days ago, I was having a conversation about like fixing judging things. So mm -hmm. who knows if they listened to us? But <laughs> here we are. Yeah, and like we'll I see. feel like more more than a power trip. I feel like it's just they they get instructions and they're just following instructions, where instead of like having an interpretation of the situation. Right, it's like you see something wrong, you say something instead of like look at what's happening, right, and try to understand. But if they're not competitive mm -hmm. players, if they don't play the game, they have to read cards at that time to try and understand them at that point. Then, like, it's hard to like you can't understand the context if you don't play the game, right? So then yeah. that's that's a big deal. And like I've had situations where I'm playing Reggie's. I, the round starts. I have a heavy ball in my hand. I play the heavy ball. I have my prize cards in my hand. And this has happened twice. Both times, a judge will go, your prizes. I'm like, they're in my hand. <laughs> oh, please continue. It's like, if, if you stop and look for three seconds, then you would understand that there's a heavy ball being played. But they, they just like, there's no prizes on the board. Interrupt. And like, it's like. Ugh, a yeah. little bit. It's been fun, and it feels like that that hadn't happened in the last twenty years, but it's been happening a lot in the last year for some reason. I think it's mm -hmm. maybe maybe the the reason is because of newer players and newer people because of the pandemic. Like a lot of new people. I don't know. I can't pinpoint a reason. Well, I guess um, events have also gotten exponentially larger, and so right. absolutely, yeah, they're gonna have to you know find the help. The judge, yeah, the yeah. judge per player ratio is probably lower. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, 
Yeah, no, but I'm Drew's a stand-up guy. I'm a glad he. Stand-up guy. You know, yeah, awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I love him. That, that <laughs> we is, also love Drew Kennett. That, that guy has never not and Mike given, Fouché. He's never Fouché. not given me a hug at a regionals. Yeah, I think. yeah, Drew is amazing. Drew's ever since ever since I met him like officially and played against him, I think every tournament I've ever been to, he's always hugged me. So like, no, nah, big ups to that that's guy. Cute. Even through COVID. No, <laughs> well. no just kidding um no yeah especially if yeah if someone draws a fifth card off money i'm like bro i don't care my turn's gonna end in 15 seconds so you're gonna get that card anyways like (laughs) so that was so that was against drew was there anything else like notable in that matchup or did it kind of go you know yeah he just drew very underwhelmingly and i uh, i ran with with both games yeah and yeah i can imagine if you get a quick raiko yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Raiko the Raiko pressure is, is tough to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, round twelve was Reggie's again. Oh, I, I think that was that was on table one. That was against Darren, who also made uh, top eight. And they had the cape. They did not have the cape, uh, but I drew ah. very underwhelmingly both games. And oh no! <laughs> like, one one game I was close, like I was close to getting a tie, but um. But then I whiffed something. I, I needed like a very convoluted combo, and I ended up whiffing, like being one card short on the on the tie instead of the the loss. So what you're saying is the the one Reggie's that made top cut didn't have cape in it. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Exactly. Whatever, Alex. Mm. Well, Pablo also just said that he drew underwhelming against him. So no, he that, just got I, lucky. I, I'm just saying the facts, man. I'm just saying. Just point, pointing out the things that we're all thinking. And then... Cape is cool, man. <laughs> a flying Pikachu had to two-shot my Reggie. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they would two-shot normally if they have a double two when you have a Kikas, right? Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> Take that, nerd. Well, ah, they have the double two. Uh, they have three energies, then, yes, but... Yeah. <laughs> and then Anyways, good round team. round thirteen, I played against Isaiah with Reggie's again. So I played Reggie's three rounds back to back to back. Um wow. and then Isaiah beat me as well. Uh he drew way, way harder than Justin, his um his teammate that mm-hmm. I beat in round nine uh the day before. And like he he also timed the cape perfectly and it just like it mm. I couldn't um I couldn't keep up with the pressure and he got like turn one like I distinctly remember both games he had trekking shoes into discard Aurora, which I think is like the <sighs> best possible target for trekking shoes wow. in that. Why can't I be time. that good? Yeah, exactly. Actually <laughs> that is that is actually not true. In San Diego I went trekking shoes, discard Aurora into research as like my second card in hand and my hand was dead otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we'll take that. Yeah. And then uh, round 14 and 15, uh, which I needed to win to try and bubble in to top 8, were both Lugias, which were mm. surprisingly um, very direct and um, oh, manageable, nice. and I won both uh, very convincingly. Nice so then I was coasting to top 8. Yeah, well, I was at 34 points, and I had checked the standings and stuff, and I was talking to my friend Ross, and like we thought there would be, like if no one tied... We thought there would be four 34s total. Two would make it in, and two would not make it in. But there were mm. a few natural ties, and I ended up being seventh seed into top eight. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so how did the uh, top eight match go? I know, I don't think I've ever seen somebody draw, or like Colrus slash Flower Selecting into that many energies. I know. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, game one was very frustrating with how... 
with how it went. Like I knew I could win the game in three turns. Like they very smartly didn't bench two Duraldons. They just went Arceus. Or I, yeah, Arceus, Arceus, Duraldon. So that means you always have to attack three times. If they go Arceus, Duraldon, Duraldon, then you can just KO two Duraldons, which is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about it, maybe they didn't do it on purpose. Maybe that's how they drew. Uh, I'm not sure. Or maybe they're prizes. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like the the start of the game was just I fell too far behind and it was just I was they were getting nowhere. super hot yeah and then game two I did the big mess up with the with the energy I was looking at psychic it was in the deck I just like I was also thinking about the sable I played the next turn and that mm. got convoluted in my brain and I just grabbed both fightings <laughs> mm. yeah yeah like I said happens <laughs> yeah that was a sad end to the to the run but I mean if you had told me you're gonna make the bait at Diego after having gotten five top 256 or worse in the last five tournaments, I would have taken it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, yeah, still a great run. And like I said, with one of the, the hardest decks to play. <laughs> and to be fair, yeah, like I, like I mentioned, they were, I was watching that game earlier today, uh, rewatching it, and I was like, oh my God, they, Grant had everything. <laughs> yeah. Really uh, he did. had a, a, a boss for like Rayquaza on one turn two. Yeah. Uh, early game, game one, I was just like, oh my goodness, why yeah, can't I draw yeah. like that with Archistralda? Yeah. <laughs> so, one thing that I thought was interesting too about your top eight match was that you scooped like after you had taken a big KO with Rayquaza. So, like, I think it was like maybe turn three or turn four, but you had an opportunity to to KO um, his Duraldon VMAX with like a Zigzagoon ping, right. um, Rayquaza knockout. Um, and then it was during his turn, he was like, I don't know, playing playing an evolution or incense or something then. Um, but then you scooped that game yeah. and decided to go to game two. So like, what was going through your head at that point? And how did you make the decision, especially with a lot of pressure in top eight, um, you know, to, to scoop that game? So I think um, it it was like, I think the, the correct play is always to scoop because one ordinary rod was in the loss zone. And I had already needed to play the other one. So I needed three big KOs, two Arceus and one Draldon, and I only had two Rayquazas available. So mm-hmm. my only chance was him not uh, KOing my Rayquaza once. And the only way that would have happened is if he didn't evolve the benched Arceus into Arceus V-Star, because the second attack does oh. 110 with the double turbo mm-hmm. that he attached. But once he evolved, he had back-to-back KOs. So I needed my Rayquaza... My second, like, I took the KO on the Draldon. Then that Rayquaza was going away. Then I could recover, um, I think one Rayquaza was lost zone, so I could only recover one Rayquaza once. And then if I knocked out that Arceus and he didn't evolve, then my Rayquaza would be alive and I would be able to close out the game. But as soon as, I, I conceded as soon as he evolved. I did not, like, I, I saw Chad go crazy. Oh, no, they played Marty. Now he's conceding. He hates Marty, blah, blah. I, no, That's what I, I thought, too. Yeah. I had I had no chance at that game anymore because I did not have enough Rayquazas. I couldn't attack three times with the Rayquaza with the resources I had left. That is why I conceded. Like, it was literally impossible for me to win. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's cool hearing about all of the, like, mental... Gymnastics. It sounds like you were you were going through trying to figure out like all of the little scenarios that could happen and yeah. like yeah. the worst case scenario and yeah. You know, my, then when you yeah, saw my it, my then... one hope was that he prized the Arcus V Star or he just didn't find it. As soon as he mm-hmm. like if you know if, as soon as he showed the Arcus V Star, that's when I conceded, not because of the Marty. 
I just mm-hmm. knew I couldn't, like my Rayquaza was not surviving, so I had no chance anymore. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was game one. So then in game two, I know you talked about, like, you know, not seeing the, the psychic energy and totally happens. Do you think, like, did you have enough resources in that game, do you think, to close it out? Like... So I so I did, and like looking back, of course, like I I dwelled on that game for the the next week after I lost them. It's hard not to. <laughs> so the right play, the hundred percent right play, with the resources that I had left, was to do three hundred and twenty to that Teralta, mm-hmm. because then the next turn, what they would have done, uh, they didn't have a hyper, and hope that they didn't have a hyper push in their hand, which they didn't. So then, what would have happened is they would have healed thirty and then attacked with something, whatever it was. And then my play the next turn would have been to use Sableye to put four damage counters on the Draldon VMAX, KO it, four damage counters on the Arcus V-Star, KO it, and then four damage counters on the other Draldon. Yeah? So, mm-hmm. And I would have taken five prizes. And then uh, because I saw them from the mistake KO, I would have grabbed the six Sigun, Yeah, And then with mm-hmm. the six Sigun, I had exactly one right hand, one rash gate and the six second. So even if they healed with hyper potion and there was a full HP draw done staring at me in the active spot, I would have been able to go bench Rayquaza, attach for turn, right hand uh, onto it, recover energies, mirage gate, attach two other different ones, ping one damage counter with six second, and I would have done 330 damage to them uh-huh. to that draw. Wow. So the right play would have been to do 320 damage, but I missed it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense now too. Hearing all of this, like how it was easy to you know leave that psychic energy in deck. It's like, oh, I want to use this for Sableye because of all these things you were thinking about. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool hearing your thought process. I also think is definitely the mark of a very very good player to you know own up to you know mistakes they've made, but also like reflect upon them. Like that's how you're gonna get better as a good player obviously so anybody listening to this you know mistakes happen the important thing is like uh learning from them learning from exactly yeah cool well uh congratulations again is an amazing run um really good job and now now that i want to play this deck now now that i hear you (laughs) talking about it more and more alex does it make you want to not play uh cinderace beedrill anymore (laughs) uh man we're gonna we're gonna bring up a sore subject <laughs> at a time like this. Yeah. I'm figuring it out. There's, there, we got some. I got some. I got some space right now, and I, I actually managed to beat it two games in a row <laughs> yesterday. So I get we'll there's, some, there's some things. There's some things. Okay, well let's uh, throw it back. Um, yeah. Okay, well let's get into trivia. <laughs> let's throw it back. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I've been hanging out with too many Gen Z people apparently. <laughs> Not that kind of show. <laughs> All right, Pablo, throw it back. <laughs> All right, we'll get into trivia. Um, so I've prepared a trivia question. Alex has a trivia question, and Pablo, you have a trivia question as well? I do, I do. Sweet. I'm excited because I know you've been playing for such a long time, and me and, <laughs> me and Alex have as well. So I think we'll have... yeah. It'll, no one's it'll ever stumped me, ever. No one's what? Ever stumped me in trivia, Yeah. Ever. J- Jonathan Jonathan Paraneda is the only one. <laughs> Paranananda. We'll see. All right. Well, um, let's do like. Let's do Alex's, then Pablo, then me. All right. 
Ah, oh, shoot. Okay. Go Alex first. Um, so recently I was um, uh, thinking about doing a little challenge, either for myself or with someone else or however, and the challenge was going to involve trying to win X number of games in a row, uh, playing cards in your deck that uh, only cards in your deck. They say the words "flip a coin." Mm-hmm. So outside of basic energies, every card in your deck has to say "flip a coin." Okay. Um, and so I was going back and I was thinking about all like the famous flip a coin cards and I was like, oh, what's the first one? But a lot of the base set ones have multiple, like there's, you know, where, where does it end in, in that? So it made me really look at trainers. Now, famously, the first ever trainer with flip a coin is Pokeball because there are none in base set. But what is the second trainer that says flip a coin? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my first instinct is dual ball and I know that's wrong. Oh, that's yeah. mega wrong. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be like a Team Rocket card. Oh, uh, maybe that's like a good hint for me. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh, like, okay. Pablo, do you have a guess? <gasps> gambler, gambler is such a good oh, guess because Gambler right. and Sleep gambler and Sleep are the two that come out of Rocket. However, there are two in Fossil oh. in between. Oh, that was a great guess, Jungle. Pablo. I thought you were right. I was gonna... Digger is one of my favorite cards ever. I was going to guess um, the Rocket's Trap. Rocket's Trap is uh, is Jim Ch- right, Jim right. Yep. It's not even Rocket. God. <laughs> so there's two. There's two in Fossil. Let's say flip a coin. Fossil. Uh, what? Does Mister Fuji flip a coin? No. Mister Fuji is Mr. not. Mister Fuji. Cassius put on an item. <laughs> Mister Fuji. Yeah, it's just it's just Cassius put on an item. Okay, okay. Uh, Pokemon Center. Is it Revive? Revive is not. No. Uh, Max Revive uh, never said flip a coin. And like regular revive is it doesn't seem. I gotta I gotta enter my mind palace for this one. Jeez, yeah, I don't remember all the fossils. Uh, here here are some hints. I'll give you some hints. One of them has been reprinted, I think, like three or four times, and the other one was only ever seen in that, uh, in that set. It's not like Pokemon Reversal because they just had Gust of Wind. One of them, the one that's been reprinted is legal and expanded. Mm. Oh oh, I know. Hit me. Recycle recycle yeah recycle is one of them and then it's hard to figure out which came first because you know they're both in fossil the other one is gambler wait pablo said gambler wait what that's what i said yeah when did you say gambler (laughs) he said my first guess first guess no i thought you said digger oh my god no i said gambler christ on a cracker i look at the fool now all right, you know what? Me and Pablo both got that one right. It's, it's, we like we both got the you know one of the two. So I'm such a dumb dumb because I'm I'm looking at the cards in front of me and I I was looking at Digger and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude, Digger's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel validated. Good job, Pablo. I'm sorry, I'm proud you, of you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel old, but I'm 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 also proud. I like that one. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, uh, that's funny though. All right. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's a that's a great guess. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I was so surprised. I, I, said, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure about which side it was. Yeah, from yeah. Yeah. No. So okay, you get credit for that. I I misheard. I'm I'm the dumb. No worries. I'm the big no worries. You gave me a chance to get recycled though. Yeah, so I appreciate that's that. True. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to look at it one way, uh, gambler is is one is card number eighty and recycle is eighty one. So okay. or sixty and sixty one, I should say. So. Mm-hmm. all right pablo hit us with it all right so this, i guess this is more general which 
Pokemon has won every single type of event that has ever existed. Ooh. Are we we with Pokemon Go? uh, No, no, no. Okay, so like TCG. This is TCG related. um, And I'm talking like Battle Roads, City Championships, State Championships, Regional Championships, National Championships, International Championships, and (laughs) World Championships. Well, my first inkling was Zorark, but that's not correct. Right, yeah, I thought Zorark would be the first guess, but Zorark never won City Championships, right? Or National Championships. Yeah, Yeah, there was none. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, because you're including Nationals and Intercontinentals, it has to be a Pokemon that's pre what 2015 right yeah pre... so that means no, that i think there no... was an x and y nationals well so... that means no sun and moon oh yeah no yeah, sun no and moon sun. on yeah which zorak is black and yeah. white but still and eliminates all of those <sighs> that's a good question that's a great question yeah zorak was gonna be it, it... i mean i want to say like I'll, I'll give you a chance to guess yeah it makes me think about when when drew asked a similar question about the pokemon that's like been in the most which i believe was what jirachi so that would be oh, like, and the most like world championship masters deck. So yeah, that would be my guess is Jirachi. Um, I mean, I want to say yes, but I like I wouldn't say Jirachi. I guess I mean I'm not entirely sure. Jirachi is like probably this? correct, but I want to say like Jirachi has always been a support Pokemon, right? So like yeah. You- you're thinking like the star of the yeah game. exactly got it. got it okay 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 yeah like, i guess i should have been more specific but jiraji is probably correct now that yeah. i think about it yeah um so the deck is like, like named after them pretty much right got it got i'm it. gonna say gardevoir yeah yeah that would be my other guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah let's go yeah now there's I'm, so many good Gardevoirs. now i'm really curious with if you included support pokemon if if it would still be just Gardevoir, like if Jirachi actually does make the cut, <laughs> you gotta imagine. I mean, yeah, I, like, I, I gotta imagine, yeah, because there's been so many support Jirachis, right? Yeah, Alex is gonna go on a two hour long. Oh, rabbit you hole know now. it. Yeah, I'm gonna be up late tonight. <laughs> that's exactly exciting. That's exactly how I am. Shoot. <laughs> now now we know what Alex is doing for his Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be. I was gonna work late tonight too. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. All right, my turn. My turn. Which one of the following archetypes did not earn the legendary Pablo Mesa a cash prize? Zora Glycopod, Dusknor Trevenant Tag Team, Malamar Giratina, or Arceus Dialgapalkia Tag Team? I think Pablo's going to have a little bit of an advantage over you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty pretty confident on my answer. (laughs) Can you, can you go through like each one of these multiple choices and like explain why they're either incorrect or correct? Uh, Do do you want Alex to guess first or do you want me to explain? Oh yeah. Okay. The the problem, the problem is that uh, the tag team era was when I was student teaching. So I was, I was still like traveling and competing, but not paying attention to Anybody else other than me? Uh, so, uh, ADP. Nope. Okay. Oh, it looks like somebody stumped you at trivia, Alex. <laughs> fun, fun fact: I made top eight at the previous San Diego Regional with ADP. Back oh my gosh. gosh! Yeah. So I made back to back top eight at San Diego. Mm-hmm. Three years apart. Yep. 
Well, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was I was um, also curious if you like remembered the tournaments that you like made the like won the cash prizes. Usually, I do because I get emotionally attached to the to the decks I do well mm. with. That makes sense. So, like, so our Glycopod. Yeah, that was Mexico Regionals. Mm-hmm. And then ADP was San Diego. Uh, what was the other two? Malamar and which one? Malamar, Giratina, and Dustnor Trevenant. Oh, Dustnor Trevenant was top eight at Dallas Regionals, and therefore it mm-hmm. was Malamar, Giratina that never earned me any cash prizes. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a very impressive memory. I was hoping, because I, like, looked at the Limitless page, your Limitless page, and... Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he won a cash prize with Dustin Trevenant once, but then didn't another time. Yeah. So I was like, maybe he'll get them confused. I, think the I was same, really the trying for, to trip you up on this. The same for Sorar Golisaput. But I feel like mm. Sorar Golisaput would have... I, I had a little bit of doubt of Sorar Golisaput. I, I know I, I won a special event, and then I think mm-hmm. I got either top 32 or top 16 at Mexico City Regionals. But like a top 8 is super memorable. And especially the Trevnar mm-hmm. is like, no one was playing Trevnar in the tournament, but me and my friend and mm-hmm. um, I feel like I got... I've, so the last four tournaments, the last four regionals I've made top eight at, I've lost in top eight, and I feel like I've been robbed in all eight. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> all four. Like, I've been getting really unlucky in top eight. And I, like oh, the man. previous four were first, first, top four, and top four. And then mm-hmm. I, as soon as I thought, okay, I, I can't lose in top eight, then the next four, I've lost in top eight each time. No. Yeah. yeah, you have to start thinking now. You have to reverse your thinking. Now. Yeah. <laughs> from from now on, can, whenever we have a guest on, can we try to stump them with trivia about themselves? <laughs> yes. <please. laughs> with their own stats. That's the, that's the, that's the next level thing. It's just like, ha I thought, I was hoping I could get you with Malamar Giratina because you got top four at um, the special event in, in Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. Yeah. So I was hoping, but that didn't give a cash prize. So I was because, hoping. Yeah, I was like, event mm. But mm. I, did, I did win Nintendo Switch with Malamar. All right. Yeah. Sure. Well, shoot. That's just as good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sold it, so it was technically a cash prize. <laughs> there you go. That's so funny. Um, cool. Well, Papa, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, this has been a really fun time trying to think oh okay i i do have one more question just as as a a dedicated reggie's fan myself i gotta Mm -hmm. ask why did you stop playing reggie's (laughs) and how do i stop (laughs) generally just as i get emotionally attached to decks i do well i also get uh i also feel betrayed if I don't do well with them <laughs> at tournament. Mm-hmm. So then, like, Fair. I played Reggie's at Peoria, and, like, I was out of contention of day two by round eight. So I mm. felt like, oh, I mean, they had the run, but, like, I don't want to repeat the whole Greninja uh, phase that I went through, where I, like, I won nationals with Greninja, and then I wouldn't stop playing Greninja despite not mm. getting good results. So I wanted to, like, try and take mm. that bias out of me and be, like, Okay, I love this deck, yes, but it's had its moment. Yeah, I recognize that perhaps there's yeah. other options potentially. Yeah. But then I played Palkia at the next tournament that I hundred percent regretted not playing Reggie's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, I guess double edged sword. But I mean I think it it is um it does take a very, I guess, mature uh perspective to be like, okay, I, I love this deck, but it's 
not it right yeah. now for some reason. Exactly. I love no. this deck, but I love winning more, so I can quit this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Maybe it's a competitive thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this has been super fun, Pablo. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, is there any anything else you want to... Any shout-outs? I don't know. Anything else you want to ask? I mean, shout-outs to you guys for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, shout-out to Drew and Mike Fouchet, who we lovingly mentioned in this, <laughs> in this podcast <laughs> and, yep, for sure and shout out to to all the people that end up supporting tableman which like i wouldn't be able to have these amazing results and this good time and traveling and everything if it weren't for them so they mm-hmm. they like every victory every good result at least half of it is attributed to them <laughs> you're gonna make me cry <laughs> yes please go check out uh pablo's channel tableman on youtube uh do you want to you know, shout out your other socials. Yeah, I mean, it's all Tableman. Twitter, at Tableman. Oh, Facebook, at Tableman. You, uh, I guess Instagram is at Tableman YT because it wouldn't let me choose Tableman for some reason. <laughs> TikTok at Tableman, YouTube at Tableman. Tableman everywhere. Cool. And uh, and coaching too, right? On Metify? Yeah, Metify coaching at Tableman. And I'll be adding some uh, new training plans there in case people are interested. I've been trying to think of like how to innovate the cold coaching aspect because everyone's doing coaching it feels like now. right um so i'm trying to be uh, more innovative and i have some ideas in the works with that sweet all right well we're looking forward to it Thank cool you. alex you uh, have any last thoughts uh thanks for thanks for coming on buddy it's nice to like finally <laughs> yeah. formally meet you after thank you after hanging out with literally all your friends but you <laughs> Likewise, Alex. Well, I'm not. I'm not open in Seattle, so it's understandable, right? I'm a little too oh, well, far away. Well, when you're when you're in Seattle, swing by swing by the store. Brian Brian would like to say hi. Sure. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again, and thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. So be sure to uh, stay tuned. And thanks so much for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. podcast features drew allen alex cook trevor reed and myself andrew zavala follow us on twitter at drew too many cast our intro song is called breaks frontier written for us by eric wells you can find him as mr period e on spotify new episodes come out every other wednesday so we'll see you there thanks for listening